Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's National League Full-Time. We're here once again. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you for joining us. And as always, we've got Rob Worrell on the phone. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Everything good? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, always good. <laughs> Excellent. You can't. You can't let football results ruin your weekend, Luke. That's why. That's my comment. <laughs> no, exactly. And and also back from his uh, his sojourn in uh, Indonesia was uh, Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. Hello, Rob. Hi, Chris. Bit cooler now, Chris, isn't it? You're not you're not sweating as much. Do you know what? I prefer it. <laughs> I'm just not used to uh, the heat and humidity of uh, of Asia. <laughs> I, I've just come back from Portugal from a week, and it's. Uh, it's boiling there and I literally stepped off the plane and it was chucking it down when I arrived and I thought do you know what it's quite refreshing this (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we'll look uh, straight away at the National League and well they're still up there Harrogate Town they won again yesterday 2-0 down at Maidstone and they're top now by by a point and Chris I know you're a big fan of Harrogate but even they must be amazing at what they're doing at the minute yeah, they they really are. I mean, I can't, I can't believe how well they're getting on. Um, albeit Maidstone have had a tricky start to the season, but Harrogate are looking fantastic. And I look at their strike force. I think their strike force looks really dangerous now. You've got Jack Muldoon, you've got Dan Knowles, uh, you've got Joe Leesley. I know it's sort of an attacking player. They look uh, they look pretty potent. And what surprised me, though, is, is sort of how rounded and well-equipped they are for, for the National League season. Yeah, Chris, I mean, I, I've already whacked Luke about Harrogate a couple of times this season. Yeah, I look at it, I expected them to be organised and efficient. I expected Knowles to be amongst the goals and to be well backed up by uh, Aaron Williams, who obviously scored heavily for Brackley last year. The surprise for me has been just how prolific Jack Muldoon has been. Uh, when I spoke to Simon Weaver, prior to the Aldershot game a few weeks ago I mentioned about Knowles and, and Williams and he was very quick to point out Muldoon you know I'm not sure of his record actually I should have looked at it before we started today but uh, I don't know if he's had too many prolific spells has he? He's got six goals for the season already so he's uh, he was a, he's, a, he's had a bit of a stop start time he's been at Lincoln and Rochdale and personal issues have affected him and he was at file last year of course but yeah I think this is his his best spell of the career he's certainly thriving at the minute in the National League for Maidstone well we'll have a, a Desmond on there Rob they had a crowd of 2,222 yesterday uh, welcome new manager Harry Wheeler to, down there to the Gallagher Stadium losing start for him but an interesting appointment yeah it is and uh, I think he deserves it I mean uh, I was wondering if any uh, I mean I uh, if the, if the non-league papers to be believed today, he, he was sacked by Tex before that game that uh, that they lost, mm. 2-0. So I think then, does that mean that technically he leaves he left Billericay with a with an unbeaten record? You know, 29 <laughs> games, it's, it's phenomenal. I think um, reading the interview in, in the non-league paper this morning, it's pretty evident that he thought long and hard and, and a little bit of his heart was pulling him back to Billericay, but he's he's held out. He's thinking, hang on a minute, I've done really well in the pressured environment and there might be a better opportunity for me and congratulations to him. And I think it's a good job for him. Um, difficult to follow Jay Saunders, but Maidstone uh, United have uh, got a good set up there and I think they're a little better than third bottom. Uh, ultimately, with Harry at the helm, we'll... Uh, We'll see if that is to be the case. 
Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one, as you say. He was re-offered a job at Billa Ricky, but I think he felt the way with what had gone on and with it being a higher-placed job that he's, he's w- willing to go for it and time will tell whether it's the right move for him. Team he got off the mark yesterday. The surprising result of the day in the National League was probably Braintree going up to Gateshead and winning by a goal to nil. Their first win of the season. And that only puts them three points now from getting out of the drop zone and... I think you'd have expected Gateshead to win that. They were in tenth place. They've done well at the home this year, but uh, they slipped up, Rob. Yeah, they did. There was a couple of teams that have been going really, really well that slipped up yesterday, and you know, probably only to be expected given the really, really good starts uh, that, that that both of them had. The other one, of course, was Halifax, who you know they backed up a really, really strong August, you know, with a lot of wins, and they got the good draws, didn't they, at Sutton and Wrexham. Uh, but Maidenhead have been just creeping into form and by all accounts they had their best 45 minutes of football since they were promoted uh, yesterday a couple of goals for Josh Kelly and Adrian Clifton's weighing in with a few goals as well so 3-0 Maidenhead against Halifax and uh, I think you've got to give Braintree the result of the day but caps off to Maidenhead for a fantastic result yeah, Adrian Clifton, who's just come back from playing in Montserrat's first international in two years, uh, capped it yesterday with a goal. Chris Halifax, uh, another team who started off well. They've had, uh, well, a little wobble on Saturday, but uh, Jamie Fullerton were delighted uh, that they're in ninth place at this stage of the season after 11 games. Yeah, I think he would have been more delighted four games ago, though. <laughs> yeah. I think he's probably not feeling very delighted at the moment as they are they are sort of dropping out of the uh, the playoff picture. However, um, you know they are well equipped. They've still got a, a decent positive uh, goal record, and I think they'll come back. A team who are right on Harrogate's coattails at the top of Wrexham. A really good win for them yesterday. They were four 0 up at halftime over Ebsley, and uh, Donald Man was so upset he didn't even come out for the post match interviews. And Ebsley the well, up until last week, they'd had the best start to the season, certainly be- better than they had last season, but a couple of bad defeats at home to Gateshead and then on Saturday at Wrexham Rob and they're down in 14th now. Yeah, I mean, that, that one that one was a little bit of a shock, to be honest, because whilst they've struggled at home with just the one win, uh, they've been pretty good on the road, haven't they? And that had almost been their, 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 their sort of... <laughs> sanctum if you like their place to go and, and, and you know with the pressure off and go and pick up results and obviously Wrexham's a hard place to go to particularly this year but the weight of that defeat is immense I mean he did win the second half 1-0 that's a little bit of a response clearly McMahon not happy and uh, Wrexham really starting to find their goal scoring feet now and, and then it's ominous isn't it because we know they don't concede many They've still now, looking at it, only conceded five goals in 11 games. But uh, Holroyd back in amongst the goals as well. Bevan, who got off the mark a couple of weeks ago, scoring. Rikyle Pike, he's come out of nowhere. And then Sean Pearson uh, weighing in with his uh, regular goal as he does. Yeah, I think that's the thing for Wrexham, isn't it, Robert, that Mike fund up Talam's not scored in the last two or three games, but they're starting to spread the goals around as well now. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they are a threat from, from all angles. They're very, very organised at the back. And what that does is that creates pressure doesn't it um it, the, the fact that they're not conceding very many as well and 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 uh, you know that would have been a difficult one for Ebsfleet to approach after half time yesterday 4-0 down yeah the game was gone but they they did restore a little bit of pride i'm not sure what's happening there i'm obviously Danny Kedwell weighed in with another goal he's he's going to be good for 15 up towards 20 goals again this season they were without uh, the skipper Dave Winfield i know they have been for the last couple of uh, games for an injury but uh, one player doesn't and shouldn't make a team should it and uh, interestingly that uh, Ebsfleet are not quite you know picking up and carrying on the form but they're not bad in the place they're fourth they're um, 
they're, they're 14th, sorry, and just five points off the playoffs. So plenty of time for McMahon to get that one right. Yeah, guys, just look at the uh, look at the gathering at the top now. If you if you take Harrogate out of it, um, the big boys are really lining up this season, aren't they? Um, Wrexham, Orient, Salford. You know the money that they've got to spend this season. Filed Hartlepool. You know, um, if you look out outside of that, you've probably got you know Ch- your Chesterfields and your, your Barnets who are probably you know similar sized clubs with similar ambitions, but they they really are lining up already this season. And they say, Chris, don't they? You know, the league table starts to take shape after ten or eleven games, and it and it feels true. It feels right in this in this case. Certainly, certainly at the top end. I might beg to differ looking at the bottom end. I'm not quite sure that's how it should be. <laughs> mm, yeah, a bit upside down. <laughs> chasing, chasing just behind Wrexham are the, the only other unbeaten team apart from Harrogate in the National League and it's late Noreen and they had a really good win again against Barnett. Macaulay Bonn on the score sheet as well as Josh Coulson. Late Noreen, I think a couple of us tipped him for the title and they're on, ominously just two points off the top now. Yeah, 11, 11 games unbeaten. That's a cracking record. Don't underestimate that result against Barnett. They were in form, was it? Four wins in the last five, something like that. For Barnett. And uh, it didn't go all their own way yesterday at Leighton Orient. Obviously, Fongook, Wesley Fongook levelled things and uh, Leighton Orient had to be patient. I think it was around about 20, 22 minutes from time when they got the second but Macaulay uh, Bond topped it off with his fifth goal of the season and he keeps the pressure up on uh, Adam Rooney and uh, Dan- Danny Rowe at the other end. Yeah, Barnett had won five on the spin up until Saturday when they lost down there. Salford, they've started to find the feet, Chris, haven't they? Especially away from home. I think we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, especially with Tom, I think, where Salford have been, they've been fine at home, but when they've been going away, especially to, to the London teams, they've been finding it a real struggle. But they got a really good win away at Bromley on Saturday, and, and they're in fourth now. They're starting to say, as, as you mentioned earlier, they're starting to really ominously creep up the table, and now they're picking up points away from home, as we said. That's a fantastic win for them. Yeah, I think I think with Salford, it was always going to be it was always going to be a bedding in stage um, going into the into the new division. There was so much focus, there was so much attention on them. They were on the front page in the non-league paper so many times over the summer, and it's just taken them a little time to get used to it. Um, you know, they're not used to travelling those kind of distances either. Let's remember they've been playing in uh, regional divisions up until up until this. So um, yeah, I think they're just finding the feet, and this is a fa- that's a fantastic win for them. They're, they're very well placed. They'll be more than happy, I think, with the start to the season. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're off. They've got Rooney scoring goals. They've got Tom Walker who seems to be playing really well um, and pulling the strings there for for, for Salford. So great win, yeah. And I think um, all is very sunny in Salford, even if it's raining today. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It always rains in Salford. <laughs> we'll come to file in a minute. We're in fifth position, but we'll talk about uh, the other two teams in the players. Hartlepool. I think they'll be slightly disappointed. I mean, I think you have to say hats off, Rob, to Eastley. We've we've kind of not mentioned them over the last couple of weeks. They've just kind of been sat in lower mid table. They got a good draw last week against Fylde, and they followed that up by going up to Hartlepool and getting a draw, coming from behind as well at Hartlepool yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, they did. They hung in the game. They stayed in the game. Um, after going 1-0 down relatively early on and Paul McCallum uh, chipped in with his fifth goal of the season I've always felt that guy should be a prolific goal scorer he's actually done it in little runs and fits and starts but settled at the club before the start of the season five goals already and I think he's a great shout for 20 goals this season Paul McCallum 
Uh, as for the general overall form of this side, well, it hasn't been great, and that was a much-needed uh, morale-boosting point for them, and it somewhat sort of pegged Hartlepool back a little bit, but uh, they're OK. Not the not the greatest home form. They've drawn three of their six games, but uh, it's worth noting that Hartlepool um, have, have won three and drawn two away from home, so uh, they're going nicely. Um, not, not, not a fantastic or a bad day for, for, for either one of those sides and the other one you were probably just going to come to was Sutton who did it yet again coming from behind I lost count of how many times they've done it they went behind uh, in the first half to another Nicky Kabamba goal for having Waterlooville but uh, Tommy Wright and Harry Butiman on the score sheet in the last 30 minutes turned it round and uh, they're looking ominous as well they've got a game in hand remember if they were to win that they'd, uh, they'd actually be in fourth place yeah, that game in hand was due to the fact that they knocked Adrianians out of the Iron Brew Scottish League Cup last weekend. It's, but Sutton as well, Rob. I mean, they've snuck into seventh. They haven't really mentioned and They've had a quite a quiet start to the season. I mean, they've only won two of the last six and they've picked up a couple of draws as well. But they've just been chipping away. And as I say, they're now in the playoff places. Yeah, they're a really, really hard side to beat. They've only lost the, the one the one game this season in 10, the distraction of the Iron Brew Cup. And they got back to... Uh, Back to winning ways away from home. I think when you look at the top sevens, we all had our predictions before the season. We probably all could have picked three or four teams that were definitely going to be in it. For me, Sutton would have been one of those. I didn't know whether they're going to finish first, second, you know, seventh or fifth, but I do. I'm absolutely adamant they will be in the top seven come the end of the season. Yeah, and we'll mention failed fifth. Take that last uh, or the other playoff spot in fifth position. Uh, they played your team all the shot yesterday, Robbie. Played six away from home, lost all six, but I know it was always going to be a tough task going up to Mill Farm, and it wasn't quite the thumping that they got last year. No, no, no. I mean, that was they, they came to me on the radio and asked me for a score prediction. It was difficult because you never particularly want to predict the team that you're kind of involved with uh, to lose, but it, I always felt it would be tough yesterday. I, I predicted a 3-1. In the end, it was 3-0. Thoroughly deserved three points for file. They looked like a well-oiled machine. In their own eyes, they started a little bit. Obviously, they had the first defeat, albeit at home to Salford a, a couple of weeks ago, and then they only got a draw at Eastleigh, and it's interesting that, that, that both Dave Challoner and the chairman yesterday in their programme notes mentioned how far file had come, that they were disappointed with a draw away to Eastleigh. But I can only judge them when I see them, and for me, as I mentioned uh, in the interview we're going to hear shortly, they were the best side I've seen over the 11 games this season. One of the reasons for that, as I touch on in the interview we're going to play now with um, Jim Kellerman, is uh, just the wonderful blend of youth and experience. Well, Rob caught up with Jim Kellerman after the game. I'm joined for the NL full-time podcast here at Mill Farm, some sort of 45 minutes or so after the, the game has finished. And uh, I must admit, um, I'm with Jim Kellerman. Uh, on the winning side today with AFC File, play the 90 minutes centre midfield. It was a bit odd for me, Jim, seeing you in the white strip of uh, AFC File, but uh, a really good start to the season here, and it looks like uh, a pretty well-oiled machine, and it's, it must be nice to hit the ground running here. Yeah, it's always it's always good to get a good start in the season. Um, we've done all right, you know. We could we could always do better. We've obviously scored a few goals today, and that's the that's probably the biggest thing for us. We've drawn quite a few games, nil nil. But yeah, like you say, it's a it's a good start to the season, and we need to keep that up till Christmas. And then everyone knows that if you're in and around it at Christmas, it's it's anyone's to take. So 
Well, you know that, Jim, because you were in and around it the last two Christmases, weren't you? But uh, let's 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 talk about the Jim Kellerman story because it's a bit of an unusual one. You see a few moves here and there and upwards and sideways and all the rest of it. Since I last saw you, you left Aldershot Town in the summer. Uh, really good big interest came in from St Mirren in the Scottish Premiership and uh, you went up there to give it a crack talk us through what happened next yeah it was it was it was difficult I mean I, I signed for St Mirren and then two days later the manager has gone to Sunderland who signed me throughout the summer St Mirren were looking for a manager and they appointed Alan Stubbs um, and he came in and it's always difficult for both parties you know he's I'm not his signing and you know, it, it's it's difficult from his point of view and mine. For whatever reasons, it didn't it didn't match, um, and I I'm in a stage of my career where I'm not I'm not happy to sit and not play, um, and I made that clear. So I've I've come out here to play some games, and le- this league needs more recognition uh, yeah. for what it is, and it's a, it is a good level. Um, but you know, I need to I need to go out play get myself on a platform again and then uh, you know you you never know what's going to happen again um, but the hard work doesn't stop we'll focus on filed and i've seen 11 opponents this season that aldershot town have played and on the day jim that was the best side i've seen aldershot play today confident going forward three goals probably could have had four five six but for some great saves for from the aldershot town keeper one of the things i noticed jim there was one skipper out there but that's got the armband on but i've I counted four or five players that you could have easily said he, he could have the armband players who've, who've skippered at other clubs it's a lovely blend of youth and experience here isn't it yeah and that's that's important um at this level you know as you know, we had that at Aldershot for two years whilst I was there, um, that blend of experience and youth. Um, and it works well because the experienced lads help the younger players and the younger players are hungry to, to do well. Yeah, so it's, it's probably the best formula to have at this level. You've got legs there and, like I said, the, the wiseness of the experienced lads. So uh, it helps you through a game and, yeah, you know, we're, we're, a, good, we're a good group and uh, we're looking to push on even more. And just thinking of the uh, plight of Aldershot Town at the moment, they've got perhaps one or two too many youngsters who've come out of academies. Now, that was you two seasons ago, and you had some difficult moments, Jim, in your first season, didn't you? You did take things on board, you did learn quickly, and you went on to the next level, that next level that, that, you know, consistency and securing a move. Uh, What advice would you give to them and any young lads that are coming out of academy football looking to play in, in a tough, tough men's league? Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, you're you're in academy set up, you're in a bubble. You think you're close to being a footballer, and you're miles away from it. Uh, you come down to this level, and you know there's there's players who have played a lot of games, um, and they know how to play against you and and things like that. But you you're going to make mistakes as a young player. It's how you deal with them, and you've got to take it in your stride. And and that's what I go back to with the uh, experience of the other lads. You've got to have them helping you through it as a young player. Um, but yeah, you just you got to believe in yourself and be confident in what you're doing is right and at the same time listen to what other people are saying. So. Thinking of your own plight, just reminiscing with you a little bit, I remember that horror moment that, that I'm going to highlight both to be fair, but the horror moment, the playoff against Tranmere, you know, you're unfamiliar. You actually did most of your, your kind of comeback revenge moments live on the telly as well, didn't you? You got a last minute brilliant headed equaliser against Maidstone and then was it um, was it Dagenham away yeah. winning goal there as well? well no, <laughs> I'd been out for a while yeah. uh, and came back, scored within a few minutes, so that was, that was nice. But yeah, you know, the I mean, I've I've thought about that tramway moment every single day since it's happened, you know, and and that's what I'm I'm saying about the young lads that you're gonna make mistakes, um, whether it's a costly one or not, but you've got to learn from that very quickly. And it is because 
I've said this league doesn't get the recognition it deserves. You know, this it is sink or swim at this level, um, and you can either really go on to do something well, or or you just won't, and you'll go downhill. Um, but yeah, you you know you got to have a bit about you and um, learn from it and take it on the chin, really. Jim, it's been fantastic talking to you, catching yeah. up with you today. Just the terms of the loan, how long is it for? Um, yeah, it's a season-long loan, so uh, I should be there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to go back to that stadium and see all those fans again. And that was Jim Kellerman, and it was a really interesting interview, as you say, about uh, it shows the effect of uh, players dropping out of the academy, maybe losing away a little bit, and it's a really good level to sort of find yourself at, and it, it makes you grow as a player and as a person. Yeah, I don't think you see too many that come up and just sit steadily in it Luke I think he makes a really good point that you either learn very quickly you, you, you take the knocks that invariably come along and then you push on and you try and reach higher you know or maybe you don't quite cut it and one of the reasons you might not cut it is is maybe mentally you know maybe you don't deal with this suddenly playing in front of 1500 2000 two and a half thousand you know and all these players boys can play football but can they do it in a more pressured environment can they do it up against real men that's you know that's a fascinating scenario because Aldershot along with a few other clubs are, are trying to perhaps bed in one or two more young players than they would ideally like to and that's what so impressed me about Files yesterday at least four players in the team you could throw the armband on because they've captained you know the likes of Kidderminster and Gateshead over the last couple of seasons I, I, I think Files along with Sutton right now 10-11 games in absolute shoe-ins for the top seven and I know you've been impressed with them Chris you know you thought they'd kick on and do well this season yeah and I think um, I think like you I mean the setup there is fantastic isn't it Rob when, when you go up there it's so it's so professional everything about the club is so professional but on the pitch as well they're really beginning to blossom and I think uh Last, it, it was good that they had um, they had last season I think to to get prepared and this season I think is the one where they will seriously mount a challenge and you know they're still they've still got the goals of Danny Rowe there as well so um, you know but I, I think they're uh, I think they're shearing as well a couple of players are on the score sheet of players you've been impressed with Chris haven't they Sir uh, t- is it Tazit I can't even say his name Tazit Tazitamir Sir, Sir Hat, he's 18 yeah, yeah. years old in two months, boys. Uh, I know you, you, you've always over him, Chris, whenever you've seen him, haven't you? He's a cracking player, and to be honest, Luke, I've only ever seen him for 20 minutes at a time because he normally comes on um, as a sub, gets a, a few sub appearances here and there, but he really adds something to them. He adds a bit of pace and a bit of... He's really quite skillful as well, so, I, yeah, I expect that... Well, he he's one that um, you know the the bigger the the league clubs are probably um, keeping a, an eye on. I would think. And I know you were impressed with Cardell as well, Rob. You, you put that in your WhatsApp group. You stated how how impressed you were, and he got the third goal yes on Saturday. He got the third goal. He got the third goal. Yeah, he made the second goal. He was my man of the match. My summarizer's man of the match, and he was the official man of the match as well. And you know, he even was afforded uh, being able to come off. I think after an hour or so. Um, Dave Channon are able to shuffle his pack and give other players a run rest players that he, he wanted to 3-0 up with an hour gone and it was all too comfortable uh, for file but yeah Cardle very impressive look out for him and in terms of Aldershot Rob just quickly are, are you worried at all? yeah I am worried I'm worried because uh, there's, there, there's not enough leaders and I'm worried because there's too many youngsters I'm worried because 
they're making too many mistakes and uh, Gary Waddock said in his post-match interviews yesterday he's concerned he's having the same post-match interview too many times this season and he's nearing the end of his patience he's, he's brought the young players in uh, he's shown a lot of belief in them but they've got to just start start delivering with their decision making um, Aldershot defended heroically and they didn't attack much but they defended heroically for 43 minutes yesterday went behind and then instead of staying in the game taking the blow on the chin and coming back they got undone again within a minute just before half time and, and let's face it when you're playing the likes of AFC Fylde who don't concede that many just six all season 2-0 down at the break it's pretty much game over boys it's going to be a hard season for Aldershot uh, we'll get on to Dagenham in a minute they had some good news this week but a team who are having a really even worse season than Aldershot who I think a lot of us are surprised about are Dover they are rock bottom after a 2-0 defeat at home to Solly Moors. Uh, Rob, we, we spoke about Dover a couple of times, but I saw a couple of tweets last night actually calling for Chris Kinnear to go, and that's a, a rare sight indeed. Yeah, you can't keep producing rabbits out of a hat, can you? It's amazing how he's done it. He, he blew us away last year. We couldn't believe the quality they lost, how he replaced it. We knew they'd lost a lot of quality this year, particularly in defence. We mentioned it in two or three podcasts, but uh, he, he, he's struggling now at both ends. They're struggling to keep clean sheets. They're not scoring many goals. They they lost or he chose to lose Ryan Bird I don't think that decision would have gone down too well Solihull Moors massive credit to them they're breathing down the necks of the playoff teams uh, but Dover right in it and uh, and I have to say I know it's very early in the season but it's um, it's a relegation six point the next week boys I'll see if I can catch up with somebody from Dover because uh, it's uh, all the shot against Dover at the Ebb Stadium next Saturday Can I request Naughty Naughty please? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's there he's, he's playing yeah, he's been playing for him as well he has he did play yesterday as well but uh, you know we always have a little chat in the WhatsApp group about who we're going to talk to don't we and we have our ideas boys but obviously you never know quite what's going to unfold and we'll wait and see where the story is in that match next week but something needs to give for one of those teams doesn't it and Dover just the one win all season six points stranded at the bottom that Braintree got that win yes Dagenham they got a good point against Chesterfield on Saturday and they had some good news this week as well where a consortium secured the future of the club uh, with investment from American Entity which includes from Manchester United Everton and USA goalkeeper Tim Howard uh, quite a left field consortium coming in but good to see that Dagenham are able to continue yeah and it's really really good timing as well because quite a part from all that Peter, Peter Taylor who's had a pretty large squad trying to work out who can and who can't cope with this level of football uh, this season he's starting to get it right they got the back-to-back wins didn't they and then uh, you know nobody's going to be fooled nobody's going to tell you otherwise that was a good draw particularly coming back to level things late on against Chesterfield I know Chesterfield are on an awful run but that's a good 11 players whichever 11 players Martin, Martin Allen puts out they may be struggling a bit with confidence but yeah a couple of back-to-back wins and then a draw they've just lifted themselves on goal difference out out of the bottom five and now they can potentially really kick on from there what will be interesting is to see how quickly that investment really comes to fruition whether that allows Taylor to uh, strengthen but most importantly he's starting to get it right on the pitch as well so better times ahead perhaps for Dagenham yeah, let's hope so. And for Chesterfield, Chris, we I know we're f- big fans of uh, big Tom Denton. Well, Chesterfield went and snapped him up this week, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that's a really good signing for them. Um, I think that he causes he, he he gives an option, doesn't he? If you do, if you're not going to play it on the ground, and if you're not going to be passing it round, you can always put him up front. He is good with his feet as well, 
but he's huge, isn't he? I don't know what his official size is. He's about six, seven, six, eight, something like that. He's absolutely massive, and um, I actually think that's a good sign. And I know there was a lot of debate over this, and there's a lot of he's a bit marmite whether you like Tom Denton or not. But whenever I've seen him, he's been he's been fantastic. And Chesterfield in general um, seems to be sort of mirroring the uh, Leighton Orient of last season for me. You know, they came down, they've got a big club, they want to get straight back up there, and and maybe maybe they've they've got to have a, a season of bedding in as well, or are they going to put their run together like Leighton Orient did a little bit earlier and, uh, and and get back into that playoff picture? We'll be interesting to see. We're going to move on to the National League now. now. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. So in the National League North, Charlie, Chris, they've they've done it again. They are clear. They get to lose. And they are now nine points clear of their nearest challenges, where Kidman Sahari, who we'll come on to in a minute, but two goals again for Adam Blakeman, who's a left wing back, and yet he scored five goals this season, and they're an absolute juggernaut at the minute. God, they really are, aren't they? I'm, I'm expecting to hear some stats. I might do some looking myself actually to see whether, out of all like divisions in Europe and divisions in England and Scotland, I, I reckon Chorley are probably up there with one of the best starts. Uh, of any club of any division anywhere because it's absolutely fantastic isn't it and uh, Alfreton and no mugs as well they're uh, they're high up in the in the National League North at the moment as well and whatever Jamie Vermiglio has done uh, over that close season you know he had a good solid base um, put in place there by uh, Matt Janssen but whatever he's done there is is absolutely amazing and on Adam Blakeman Luke I know that you know um, you'll probably remember Adam Blakeman from his high days as well just a, a little bit of uh, trivia on Adam Blakeman he made his debut for Bolton coming on as a sub for Chelsea's Marcus Alonso so there, there you go. go well yeah start <laughs> of the week start of the week indeed how, how things change just looking at Charlie's record actually they've played 10 won 9 drawn 1 lost none scored 23 conceded 4 goals if anyone does know of any a better record than that in, in, in England especially in a division, any division above then get in touch with us at NL full time or even a division below uh, it could be further down at the table somebody could have won all 10 games on the spin let us know about that in second place, at Kidderminster Harriers, they, they had a slow start to the season, Chris, didn't they? But they went up to York, got a really good 3-0 win there yesterday, and they are now uh, ahead of Telford on goal difference after Telford drew at home to Stockport County. But Kidderminster, different style implemented this year by uh, Neil McFarlane, and it's working well for them. Yeah, Kidderminster will be there or thereabouts. They've got a, they've got a lot of quality in the squad. They've gone up to York, which um, although York haven't aren't doing too well this season, they've, they've not had a bad run of form recently, and I think that's a fantastic win for Kidderminster. Now, what Kidderminster have got, they've got a good fan base there. They've got you know passionate, loyal fans who follow them all, all over the country, and they seem to be putting a run in early this season. Now they've they've done that in the past and they've dropped away at the end, so. You know, the, I mean, the nine points behind Chorley, but that's because Chorley are going off like a house on fire, aren't they? But um, I think the interesting thing for Kidderminster is if they can do it week in, week out, they sometimes slip up in past seasons. They've slipped up against some clubs that you would not expect them to slip up against, and they've done well against some of the, the, the bigger clubs. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for Kidderminster, but a great start for them. 
Yeah, Telford will be kicking themselves. Obviously, we had Rich on a couple of weeks ago and uh, he was going on about how well they've done. Well, they lost to Darlington last weekend and then they had to get a late equaliser <coughs> to peg back Stockport County. So they'll be pleased about that, that they didn't lose uh, two games in a row, but a slight little stutter for them now. Yeah, I think they'll be pleased in the end. Like you say, Luke, that they did salvage the, the point there. I th- I, from all accounts, from what I've uh, what I've read about Stockport County, they, they played really well yesterday. You know, Stockport County are having a few problems in closing games out they nearly grabbed all three points they perhaps should have grabbed all three points there so I think in the end Telford will see that as a point gained rather than two points lost and uh, you know there's this, they'll still be absolutely delighted that the the where they are at this stage of the season Chris you know what's coming now don't you so um, your little wild card to go down <laughs> spending more they basically were, were fourth bottom a few weeks ago they've won four on the bounce and they won 3-1 against Nuneaton on Saturday. They're now up to fifth position above Alfreton. Do you know what? I'm delighted as well, Luke. Despite my uh, rather poor um, punditry tipster uh, at, at the start of the season. But I'm, I'm really pleased with them. And it was a strange game, that one. There was two penalties within four minutes. And so straight away, um, that sort of rings alarm bell. So I went on and had a look and did a little bit of uh, scouting around to see, because normally there's a few people um, upset about that type of thing. But apparently they were both nailed on penalties. So it was a strange game, that one. And um, However, I think Spennymore, from all accounts, were, were totally in control um, of that game. And uh, it was quite comfortable in the end. Nuneaton on the other hand Nuneaton Borough have got problems and I think it's looking bleak this season for them at the moment and I think it's been bleak right throughout from the summer I mean um, there was a lot of upheaval wasn't there I saw a tweet from Gary Charles about saying how he he didn't know he had the manager's job um, and he found out on, on Twitter they didn't have the manager's job sorry so I think they've got a few problems uh, of their own to address yeah, another team who were a surprising Robert, a Leamington. I mean, a lot of people tip them to struggle. They got a really good win at Blyde Spartans on Saturday, and they're just sitting in eighth, just outside the playoff spots. And I think that's beyond their wildest dreams at the minute. Yeah, they've just had a little wobble, I think. The last gone maybe two or three games without a win after that really good start. So back to winning ways yesterday. And uh, we really must uh, get them on the uh, on the podcast soon. Just while you've come to me, because I know this is the north and this is mainly Chris's domain, but if you guys put it out there about um, any records matching that. In the top five divisions of English football, there's nothing to compare with what Chorley have done. If you drop down to step six, though, it gets interesting. Um, I, I've come up with a criteria. You've got to play at least seven games, but let's give a little doff to these clubs. In the East Midlands Counties League, Sherwood Colliery played 7-1-7, scored 27 and conceded 4. In the Toolstation Northern Counties Eastern League Division 1, <laughs> Winterton Rangers, very similar record, played 7-1-7, scored 28 and let in 5. And let's not forget our friends up in Scotland, the Breeden Highland League Cove Rangers, how about this one, played 9 one nine, scored thirty four and conceded four. There you go, matching your stats of the week, there, Chris. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Cold, good old Cove Rangers. Uh, in terms of uh, there was a managerial sacking in the National League North this week. Hereford dispensed the service of of Peter Beadle, and you have to look at Twitter and the forum and. 
It's a bit of a funny reaction. A lot on Twitter were shocked. A lot on the for on the Hereford forum, however, think there may be something more to it than just results. I know there's been a lot of condemnation on Twitter about it. The club have come out and basically said that they're looking to go maybe back to full time and get back to where they were in the National League and they didn't feel he was the man to maybe take them on that next step so does that say to you there's more going on behind the scenes than just the results or is it a results and it's a knee jerk or do you think they've got somebody bigger lined up with no disrespect to Peter Beadle but somebody you'd feel can maybe come in and pull it up by the bootlaces and really get him in the playoff well I don't know what to say about this one Luke because it's it's as much as a shock to me as it was to, uh, to most people because I find it Really strange that a club can lose uh, a few games on the trot. What is it? They've lost. Uh, well, they've, they've lost what four out of five now, including yesterday's result, and um, lose your job. I mean, Hereford have been flying up the divisions in recent years, and God, give the guy a chance. You know, um, why can't he? If they are looking at a full-time model, you know, why couldn't he be the man to take there? Unless there was something we don't know, and that's not his his ambition for himself as as well as the club but it's it just seems so strange to me Luke and they were beaten you know they're beaten by Ashton United as well um, they so just to make things make things worse I've not Luke it, it, I'm baffled by it I must admit yeah Rob it does seem a strange one doesn't it in terms of it I think he's lost 13 in his four years that he's been in charge at Hereford three straight titles or three straight promotions um, and then he's bedding in you know mid-table after first Nine or ten games of the season, it just doesn't. It doesn't add up. You have to, you ha- or, you have to accept there's got to be stuff going on behind the scenes, as you say, that we don't know about. And uh, maybe in terms of you know um, the way forward, the, the, the strategy from this point on, maybe they maybe they weren't in agreement. Um, it's it's a real it's a really sad one to see because I found myself bizarrely having doing some behind the scenes filling. Uh, f- filming and presenting at the uh, at the Ebb Stadium on the final day of the season. Do you remember it? I can't remember how many seasons back it was now, but it was that weird last end of season game when Aldershot had stayed up in their first season back in the National League or the conference as it was after being in docked uh, 10 points administration. Mm. They'd stayed up at Woking with a game to go and then the final day of the season they played at home to Hereford. Michael Rankin scored the winner for Hereford against his mm. old club and at the end of the game the East Bank were singing both sides of it we are staying up and then obviously um, after that so not obviously I, I was actually in the Hereford dressing room doing this filming as, and, I, and I witnessed Peter Beadle's speech to his team after they'd done it that day and I've watched on with uh, you know real interest in their recovery as they as, as they bounced back up the leagues and uh, I don't get it I don't get it there's got to be more than meets the eye with that one. Yeah, it'd be interesting if any Hereford fans want to get in touch with us, the usual stations at NL Full Time or email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. And just before we move on to the South, Chris, Boston, now you saw them last week at Stockport and you were raving about them. They lost at home to Chester on Saturday. Now, for Chester, it was quite a poignant win. Bernard Morley, he lost his granddad 24 hours before, but he said, no, I'm going to go in the dugout. Chester went out and won the game for him. But Boston, they're very up and down at the minute, aren't they? Well, they're more down than up at the minute. And unfortunately for, for me, it was at Stockport County when they were up and they... Uh, 
they played very well last week and you know Craig Elliott was was really buoyed by it especially having lost three games on the trot so it's just back to um, back to where they had been unfortunately for Boston yeah I think I was I was really impressed with the the pace on the on the attack for Boston obviously it didn't work yesterday though against against Chester who have managed to ride their difficulties um, over the past well over the past what five six weeks I can't remember how long ago the the stadium was damaged but they seem to have, have come out of the, those problems and, and done really well on the other side of it and uh, now it's a great win for Chester yeah brilliant win and um, I expect that they'll be start moving up the league again yeah Boston have got a bit like Blythe from last season they've played 10 won 5 drawn none lost 5 and they've scored 10 and conceded 10 so there you go and for Chester yeah. they've got they've got uh, two games in hand as well and they're only three points off the playoffs so very entertaining Boston aren't they Chris yeah yeah um, Boston god yeah they are really entertaining and they're, uh, they're a statistician's dream because if you look at their um if you look at the league table, everything is um, divisible by five. Well, well worked out. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, Rob, did you? <laughs> no, no, he's, he's probably he started peak too soon, didn't he? He started with the stat of the week and he's only going downhill now. <laughs> well, we're going to look at uh, step three shortly, but before we do that, we're going to move into the National League South. Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. In the National League South, we've got to start off with the the leaders, Woking and Rob. For me, I think I mentioned it as well as Braintree winning at Gateshead. I think the result of the day is Dulwich going to Woking and winning. Yeah, fantastic for them. It really puts them on the uh, on the mark, lifts them away from the uh, relegation positions. And uh, well, it's a bit of a day for that yesterday, isn't it? A lot of the teams that have had good starts, just had a little wobble and one result, and some of those teams that have been struggling to get wins, you know, great result, great result for, for Dulwich. They scored early on, they got pegged back, and then they got a winner 13 minutes from time uh, through Allen. Just pegs um, woken back a little bit, but uh, they didn't lose too much ground, of course, because behind them, uh, Villaricki, who led with a Jake Robbins goal, his 11th of the season, they got pegged back in the 90th minute by Dartford, and uh, I read uh, with interest that Jake Robinson slammed a penalty against the bar as well. So he probably should have been on 12 for the season. And then, uh, you know, with goal difference, um, Billericke should have been top of the league. But they remained two points behind Woking. Yeah, they were pegged back Billericke, as you said, at the last minute by a Jamie Philpot goal. And Woking have been pegged back. They got away with it a little bit, as you say, with Billericke drawing. But they've been pushed again Hampton Richmond Borough they're now level on points with Billy Ricky as are Welling they both won on Saturday good win for Hampton down at Chora who are struggling at the minute but and Welling they beat East Thurrock so the, 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 the fixtures were quite kind to them but as we've seen in the National League and the National League North you don't always win those games so they had to go out and win them and they have done and it just lets Woking as I say looking at Leeds Woking looking over the shoulder a little bit it does really and, and, and just looking at the top of that division you mentioned most of the teams but just nestling in to 7th uh, place and into a playoff our town got to mention them they really have settled well at this level of football they've won half of their opening 10 games they don't concede too many they've got the second or third best defence in the division and a hat-trick yesterday for Matthew Stevens, who's, uh, who's on loan from Peterborough. So, yeah, well done. That's a t- terrific result for uh, Slough, winning 4-2 away at Eastbourne, who we've mentioned quite a few times, haven't we? We've been surprised by their start, but uh, they somewhat uh, hit the buffers yesterday. 
Chippen and Rob, I mean, they, they beat Bill Ricky, as they say, it was, that was the beginning of the end for Harry Wheeler. And since then, they've not looked back. And all of a sudden, they're in the playoff places, they're in sixth. Nobody expected Chippen him to really do much this season. They expected to probably maybe flirt with relegation, but they're absolutely flying. A really good win for them again yesterday at home to Gloucester, which was a localish derby, really, in terms of geography. But, uh, yeah, a really good, uh, a late winner there from Guthrie in the 84th minute and chipping him a, a really good, really good run of form at the minute. Yeah, it's amazing. That that goal, six minutes from time, looking how tight it is there in that league, it's probably lifted them from, like, 10th place up to 6th, that, that, those extra two points and that goal. But wonderful start. None of us had chipping him in the top seven at, at this stage of the season. I think the other big talking point from yesterday in the National League South, of course, involves Torquay United, who um, who changed the manager. Well publicised that uh, Gary Hours went out, and you have to wonder, it was a very quick appointment, really, wasn't it, of uh, Gary Johnson coming in, how experienced the manager he is, and, and you give him an immediate lift. They've gone away, kept another clean sheet, and, and won 2-0 at, uh, at Hungerford. And one thing we have to say for Torquay and we have to say for Gary Hours, I know they've been a, a tough watch, a lot of nil-nils, but quite a staggering feat for a team that's just sacked their manager. Played 10, conceded four goals, which is the same amount, surely, of conceded who are top of the National League North. Of course, the problem for Torquay has been sticking them at the other end and uh, a real Philip, a real lift, a real great three points for them and a good start for Gary Johnson. Yeah, only East Thurica scored less than Torquay so far this season. But is the only worry for Torquay and Gary Johnson is that he maybe doesn't know the league as well as he does, say, the National League and League Two? He's so established in football and uh, he, he will have so many contacts throughout the game. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's up, fair play to him. He's obviously got no airs and graces about this, you know, with his track record. And I know it's been mixed. He's had promotions and relegations, but he's, he's, he's obviously keen to stay in work. Um, and he will feel, won't he, taking over a club like Torquay, uh, he will feel that he can only really pull them upwards from there. And uh, I, I dare say that's a good for Torquay. And uh, if they want a little bit more, a little bit more excitement, a little bit more passion, a little bit more goals, I think just when you look at the, ma- the outgoing and the incoming managers' personalities, or certainly how they come across in their interviews, I think that could be the right move for Torquay. Absolutely, that could be the, the game changer, certainly for them. The, the only full-time team in that division and it'll be interesting to see their progress over the next few weeks another team who've done really well Gary Alwes' old club he left them about this time last season to go to Torquay they won 2-1 at Oxford City and again another team who were kind of just loitering around mid-table last season but they've ended up in the playoff places just above Chippenham the level on points with Chippenham uh, ahead of them on goal difference yeah they are and um, I noticed that um you know, they share the goals around there as well. It's not they're not relying on one person to to stick the ball in the net. And um, you know, they got a 90th minute winner yesterday. Reigns with that goal, they were heading for what would have been. You would have said it's a decent, solid point away to Oxford City, one all. But uh, the old 90th minute winner, you can't beat it when you get it, and it's a sickener when it goes against you. And we were just mentioning about the tightness in the National League. I mean, you look at the National League South all the way down to Hemel in 15th there's only 5 points separating 7th to 15th it's really really tight and they've all played 10 games so if somebody can get on a little run of 2 or 3 wins all of a sudden that propels you up the table as we've seen with Chippenham yeah I mean you, you mentioned one of them there Hemel and Dartford 15th and 16th who would have thought that you know who would have thought that Chippenham and uh, Gloucester 
would have been ahead of Hemel and Dartford at this stage. Bit of a topsy-turvy one. Maybe it's going to settle a little bit more, but it does look... I think the, the fascinating things at the top end of that division, I think we, you can build really good cases for Woking and Billericay being up there all season. But as you say, teams that have kicked on again after losing good managers, Hampton and Richmond Borough and Bath City and Steve King, we know all about the impact he had last year at Whitehall. Very nearly kept him up going very very nicely in fourth place that one's going to run and run I think so it'll be interesting to see how the National League South pans out the, the, the National League North and South take a break next weekend for the FA Cup we'll look at some of those fixtures later on in the show but now we're going to move on to step three and we're going to move into the Bostic League hi everyone I'm Martin Tyler you are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast we'll move on to step three and we'll look at the Bostic Premier and Tom went out to see Leatherhead manager Nicky Bull he caught with him after their League Cup defeat against Worthing just to talk about the game and also the season in general and what his ambitions are I stood with Nicky Bull manager of Leatherhead uh, first things first Nicky what do you think of the performance today? Um, really pleased with the players if you look at the ages we had out the players making their first appearance for the club three of the back four or 18 or under um, and I think we finished with I think five academy players that have come through the club on the pitch so I think the supporters can be proud tonight of the young players just really disappointed for them we didn't get through to a penalty shootout really yeah there's some really good performances from some of your younger lads um, I thought your number eight Alfie Q had a really good game in that box to box role yeah Alfie's a young player is on loan from Dartford at the moment so obviously they, they think a bit of him and he's not quite ready for their first team so we've got him in for a month to have a look at him and you know I thought we'd done alright tonight um, as you say a few of your uh, more experienced players were missing like Sean Okoji Jerry Namani yeah. was that a case of giving them some rest and prioritising the league yeah I, I just think that more it was to prioritise the lads that haven't had 90 minutes um, so you know, I think there's only three or four from Saturday that started so it was a massive shake up and you know we asked for the the lads more importantly the young boys just to go and express themselves and, and give us a performance and I thought they worked extremely hard and, and I was really pleased with them um, in terms of the wider season brought in Sean Okoji he scored three and six yeah. have you had to do much work with him to build his confidence back up after his time at Aldershot yeah I think um, look, he's had a taste of it now he's gone into a full time environment at Aldershot and I think he couldn't quite handle not being the main man that Corinthian Casual scored a lot of goals being the number nine and everyone loved him and then you suddenly go into Aldershot and you've got people like Scott Rendell and Matt McClure in front of you in, in the pecking order and for him he wasn't used to not starting and being the main man so he's taken a knock to his confidence we just want to rebuild him the boy will score goals and if he keeps scoring goals he'll get another shot at that level finally you've made a few changes to your squad since your last game out yeah. what was it you thought was missing from the from the team that you had um, look, first and foremost um, for me I'm planning this job in the long term so I need to get a nucleus of players together as soon as as quickly as possible that I can work with for the next couple of seasons you know in non-league football you know it's a fact unless you've got loads of money to throw at something you have to build properly so we're trying to get a nucleus of players together at the right age that we can work with and improve and if you don't fit into that criteria of wanting to work hard for the team wanting to improve and have the right attitude and application every time you turn up for matches or training you know you won't be at the club so we've made decisions on players quickly um, and continue to do so until we get that nucleus you know 
keep repeating myself, but you look at the Bostic Premier last year, the teams that got into the playoffs, Hendon, manager had been there five years plus, Nucleus of Players, Folkestone, manager has been there ten years plus, Nucleus of Players, same with Leaston, same with Dulwich. So you have to put foundations down and like I say, results-wise, performances-wise, there might be some short-term pain, but I know in the long term, I believe in myself and my processes that we'll get to where we need to get to. Yeah, very much so. And um, I know it's one of the players you brought in, a solid keeper in Zach Euler. Yep. Is that maybe with a view to spending a bit more time in the dugout yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think that's very important. Um, try to do both roles purely on a financial side. Obviously, it saves paying out in one position, but you know, with it being such a new group with so many players, you know, the turnover in the summer when I took the job, just one player that I had signed. So I need to dedicate myself a bit more time into the dugout, oversee what's going on, and um, get the players to gel as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much, Nicky. Thank you. So that was Leatherhead manager Nicky Bull, somebody who you know well, Rob. Now, Leatherhead, they got a really good win on Saturday at Potter's Bar Town, thanks to Robert Cullen scoring. They're in 16th at the minute, but as he said, it's a work in progress, and they've got a lot of young players as well there who've maybe been rejected by higher league clubs, and he's just trying to work that in there. And it was interesting to say about uh, the teams that got promoted have kept the manager for two or three years, and that's what he, he's wanting there now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he's wise beyond his years, Nicky. I know, I know he's, you know, he has become a mate, but... I really, really watch his progress in management with interest because I think he's got the majority of you know of the um, attributes that you need to be really, really good. And uh, he will be absolutely chuffed at uh, a one-nil away win, clean sheet, three points with his young players, and uh, he really will go about that job with so much passion, so much commitment. Um, and it's interesting because he is only 35, possibly 36 now. He could still do a very good job with the gloves on. He is signed on as a player. He did start the season, but I think he's realised now that trying to get that extra three, four, five percent, sometimes it might be easier to do that from the touchline. You know, to be able to spot everything you need to spot, and to be able to pick up on and, and act on everything. And um, he's, he's got a decent, capable goalkeeper in there, in between the sticks, Zaki Uwala. Um, and uh, good luck to Nicky. Great, great result as well on the week that you're on the podcast, Nicky. No podcast curse here. No, definitely not. And, well, Tunbridge, I mean, they're doing a bit of a Charlie at the top of the division of the Bostic Premier. They've, they've played seven, won six, drawn one, lost none, scored 11, only conceded one goal, and they're six points clear at the top. Yeah, fantastic start for them. In in the playoff places at Enfield Town, Bognor Regis, who are looking to bounce back up after their relegation from the National League South last season, Folkestone and Victor, and Worthing, who inflicted that defeat on Leatherhead during midweek. And White Hockey came down from the National League South and not. Uh, having the greatest season they're in ninth currently a uh, bit inconsistent so far and they lost at home to Harringay Borough on Saturday in the, the Southern Division Kettering they're still at the top uh, a grand old name I know uh, Kettering's not far from you Rob you said you'd love to see them uh, work their way back up and they're currently standing top of the Southern Division as it stands yeah I'll try and get along there at some point there's a few clubs uh, in around the Step 3 Step 4 level that I'll try and get along to it at some point in my hometown St. Neats play at um, depth four as well sorry forgive me um, but yeah I'll try and get along to Kettering midweek um, over the next month or two Chris in terms of that Southern Division it's it's a strong division there's a lot of teams from that Evo Stick Premier era in it you've got your likes of your Stourbridge you've got your Hales Owen you've got Tamworth in there AC Russian and Diamonds uh, Kingsley Town are in there it just makes that that Southern Division looks a really really strong and interesting division 
Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, Stourbridge in, in particular have been um, a really strong team in the Evo Stick um, Prem for, well, for the past four or five years. They've had some fantastic cup runs. And I think that they, in particular, Kingsland as well, they had a great season last season. Um, that is a very, very strong division. And, and with it being a new one as well, it, you know, who knows where everyone's going to end up. And finally, in the Evo Stick Premier Division, South Shields nearly promoted last season. They're expected to. They were one of the favourites, and uh, that's how it's panning out now. Chris, they've excuse me. They've played eight. They've won six, lost two. Surprisingly, they lost two uh, two of the first away games of the season. But they're a point clear ahead of Warrington. So Warrington, who were in the, the playoffs last year, you've got Gainsborough in there, Grantham, and Buxton, all teams in and around the playoffs at that Evo Stick Prem Division. But South Shields are probably the standout team, aren't they? Yeah, South Shields are. Um, however, I saw Warrington as well on on Tuesday night at Hyde United, and um, they looked exceptionally good as well. I think they'll be certainly be there or thereabouts. Um, if uh, if South Shields slip up, the Warrington very strong, very physical, very ambitious as well. They lost out in the playoff semi final to Grantham, I think it was last season. Um, so they'll be uh, definitely there and thereabouts. And I saw Buxton as well uh, yesterday, who uh, fought another team who were four 0 up at half time, uh, like Wrexham, and uh, ended up winning four one. And uh, they look pretty impressive on their new three G, four G. I never know quite what to call it <laughs> yeah so, right, so it's 3G FIFA 2 star is what it's known as yeah, yeah Luke, Luke just just on the uh, just on the Evo stick very quickly I just wanted to if anyone wants a, more info about the Evo stick Prem and the Evo stick leagues there's a great podcast as we know some of the people who do it there's a great podcast the Evo stick podcast that you can get from their website as well which is which will fill you in on everything in great detail it really is a good listen yeah it's hosted by our mate ben and, and talking of south shields that brings us on to a, a quick roundup of the fa cup next weekend as i said the national league north and south teams come in at this stage and there's a couple of standout games in there none more so chris and T- as i say you know south shields well you also know stockport county well and stockport county have to go up to south shields and I think that's one of the last fixtures they would have wanted to come out of the hat. Yeah, then my words exactly. It really is one of them, isn't it? You got it's got all the makings of a, a cracking game there. Hopefully not an upset from from my point of view, but it really does. It's a you know big big club, mediocre form, mediocre to poor form probably for Stockport County at the moment. Goes to up and coming club from a division below, flying in their league. Well, I tell you what, I, for me, that's the uh, that's the tie of the round. Yeah, and another interesting one, another National League North team. You won't fancy their little trip. Is is Curzon? They've got a local derby against Radcliffe Borough. Uh, Radcliffe are two divisions below Curzon, but um, a bit of a tricky one there as well for Curzon. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, Curzon look like they're doing what they do every season at the minute they're what the sort of mid-table the low to mid-table they're definitely you know the punching above the weight even being in that division Radcliffe tough place to go as we know Luke so uh, and they'll be well up for that one especially with it being um, a sort of a local local-ish derby as well um, certainly a great Manchester derby so uh 
yeah, possible upset there. Another one that stands out, Rob, for me is uh, they've mentioned it in a non paper today as well. Torquay United, they travel down to little old Lymington Town who play in the Wessex League Premier Division. They're embracing it with open arms, really. They've just said, well, Torquay are a full-time team. They've fallen on hard times, but we can't wait to play them and Torquay won't fancy that either. Yeah, that'll be their cup final and, and I think probably the way you look at that is you think, you know, over the years, how many big cup ties uh, David against Goliath or Goliath against David will, will Gary Johnson have been involved with he'll, he'll know how to set up for that I'm sure he'll he'll send uh, you know his very mean defensive Torquay side down there and they'll wait for moments of quality going forward but uh, yeah it, it is that's the amazing thing about some of these cups and how early in the season they get going and uh, I, you know I, just kind of um, you know crazy isn't it that you know just a month six weeks seven weeks eight weeks into the season uh, some teams are playing what relatively for them might be the biggest game of the season yeah and another team uh, another uh, tie that's just jumped out at me Rob and one that you may be interested in uh, Boston United they're at home to Peterborough Sports now uh, that could be a tricky tie for Boston yeah absolutely um, Peterborough Sports who've come up from the Peterborough you know the Peterborough Premier Division a division I used to play in myself albeit many many moons ago and uh, they're, they're, you know, they're highly thought of to go in places. That'll be a, that'll be a good game and a, and a, and a fantastic uh, trip for them to Boston. That is all for this week. Thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the NL Full Time Podcast. If you want to get involved, you can do. You can tweet us at NL Full Time or you can email us nlfulltime at gmail Guys, thanks once again for joining us, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed it, boys. Especially having a little chat about Step Three as well. And uh, if we didn't cover your club or your league, we'll try and do so in future weeks listeners definitely and Chris thank you for joining us and, and welcome back yeah thanks Luke good to be back excellent well happy football watching enjoy it and uh, we shall be back next weekend with another NL full time podcast so until then I've been Luke Edwards thank you all for listening